0: Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. I want to I share a message with you today about something we could all use just a little more of. Rest. Money would be good. Opportunity is always nice. Barbecue, I'll never complain, but we can all use a little more rest. Are you with me? This week, uh, I I was walking just just down in Gastown, and uh, I walked by somebody who was standing and sleeping. It was amazing. It was captivated. I had to just stop and watch. It was like this. He was standing. (laughs) I'm not joking. Like. it was it was a slow it was a slow piece of art, but it was beautiful. Just and he was dead right down until he was like, and then he lurched and he's like, uh, just tried to play it off, uh, like he had just barely nodded off. He was bent at the waist and hung over like a, like a marionette doll. You know, it was unbelievable. Like, bro, you need more rest. I think we could all use a little more rest. Are you with me? I'm so grateful that rest is actually a gift God wants to give you. It's what you need. As what he wants to give you. And I, I'm going to believe even today as we're in church together that uh, we're going to leave feeling just a little more rested. Is that good with everybody? Let me, let me read to you real quickly from the book of Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. This beautiful invitation to rest. Verse 28 says this. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus, I pray today that as we are in your presence, as we're in your word, that you would give us rest. It's what we need. It's what we long for. It's what you desire to give us. And so I pray today that those who are beaten up, those who are distracted, those who are worried, concerned, stressed out, Burdened in any sort of way, I pray today that we would take the first step towards finding the rest that you offer. In your name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. You can grab your seat today. Talking just a little bit about rest. Rest. Be a good thing to do this summer, just get a little more rest. You ever wake up and think to yourself, how many hours until the next time I will be sleeping? See, I've never done that calculation, and it's never never quite a low enough number as what you might want it to be, and uh, we could all use just a little more, a little more rest. You know, it's amazing that in this one invitation, this one statement from Jesus, we learn a lot about him. We learn a lot about the nature and the character of God, his desire for us to live at rest. First of all, he says, Come. Come. In other words, he's accessible. God is accessible. He is not pushing us away. He's not straight arming humanity. He's actually accessible. He's throwing out an invitation that that you can come to him. You can find him. You can be near him. You know, lots of times we we feel weary or burdened and it causes us to isolate. It causes us the burdens that we're carrying, causes us to try to do it on our own. But here's Jesus saying, no, no, you can actually come to me. Like there, are, there isn't a, a certain status you need to be. You don't have to jump through a, a bunch of hoops. You can actually come. You know, God is only ever uh, uh, arms reach away. He's right here. You can draw near to him. I remember once, uh, you know, when I was younger, encouraging friends of mine to draw near to God. I actually encouraged them on their yearbooks. I thought it was just this great, amazing scripture in the book of James 4.8. Draw near to God and God will draw near to you. I'm like, this would be a good thing. Just to... So I just thought, I'm going to throw my name on there. I'll throw James four eight on there. I don't like writing long things, right? Because how long do you write? You get started, and you're like, and then it just ends up with have a great summer. And you're like, I don't, I don't like the pressure, you know, that years later someone's going to look at this page and be like, who is this Justin guy? He just wanted you to have a good summer. And then there's the people who fill the whole page. You know those people? The whole page people? Oh, man, the whole page people. And so I just, I thought I'm going to throw my name on there. I'm going to throw a little scripture reference. Maybe someone will look it up. James 4:8, draw near to God, God will draw near to you. Only problem is that's just the beginning of the verse. The rest of the verse says, cleanse yourself, you double minded. Wash your hands, you sinners. I'm like, oh no. So forever, I'm like even now, years, decades later, somebody is like sitting with their kids, like, do you want to look through our old yearbook? Yeah. And they're like, who's this Justin guy? Who does he think he is? But you know, this is the, the reality. God says, draw near to me. You can come near to me. I'm accessible. I think that's good news about God. If you're weary today, if you're burdened today, you can actually come to God. And who, who can come? All. All. He's inclusive. That's amazing. That's good news. God is inclusive. If you need rest today, God actually includes you in those who can draw near to him. It isn't about what you've learned. It isn't about what you have. It isn't about where you've come from. It isn't about what you know. It isn't about the way you've maximized your opportunities. None of that. It's just an invitation that all all can come. Any background, any hang-up, anything that holds you back, come. He's accessible, and he's inclusive. Number three, he, he's compassionate. He says, come to me all who are weary. Like he sees us at our worst and still sees the best in us. When we're at our low point, God still sees something great for us. He says, let's have greatness in store for you. So when you are weary, while you are burdened, you're the type of person who is invited to draw near. You know, it's amazing. I I think we kind of get in our mind, you know, I need to pull myself together. I need to get my act together. I need to get my stuff together. What is my problem? And God here, he's saying, no, even where you're at right now, like you got stuff going on in your life, just come to me. I'm accessible, I'm inclusive, and I'm compassionate. Imagine if God heard that Jesus were to say, hey, come to me, all of you who are having a good day. I like to be around hype people, you know. As if hype builds builds the people, you know. He you no, know, he brings hope, not hype. He goes, "Hey, when you're worried, come now." He doesn't say, "Hey, like be on your best behavior." Did you ever get that one when you were a kid? Okay, kids, best behavior, okay. Everyone, as if as if that that reminder would be like, "Oh wow, I'm gonna elevate my behavior." And then I still do it as a parent. All right, kids, best behavior. Ready? We're going to a party. Everyone on your best behavior. And uh, but God, He's so amazing. He's like, "No, no, just as you are, weary, burdened. Come on, I'm accessible." I'm inclusive, I'm compassionate, and I'm generous. He goes, and I will give you rest. He doesn't say this, come to me all who are weary and burdened, and we'll see. We'll see. I will explain to you how you got yourself there. I'll, I'll give you a lecture on how you, you could have done better in the future. No, he's just like, oh, I'm going to give you rest. i got a gift for you. It's got your name on it. The only thing about rest is God doesn't, like, throw it at you. He gives it to you. you got to come to him. God doesn't, like, like launch rest your direction. He's like, come to me, and you're going to find rest here. And then he goes, take my yoke on your back. I'm like, oh, Jesus, you're good. You are good. The old bait and switch. You got me. I thought you wanted to give me something, but wait, there's more. There's shipping and handling fee. Five easy payments of fifty nine ninety five. Thanks. Thanks a lot. I thought you wanted to give me rest. You actually just wanted to give me work because you said, come and put my yoke on your back. Yeah, okay, I get it. You were tricking me. I've been there before. I've heard I've heard the whole spiel. I used to hear Jesus saying essentially this: like, Oh, you think you need rest? No, you just need more work. You need to put yourself to work. That's how I used to hear the tone of voice that that Jesus would speak in. You think you need rest? No, you need more. You need to, to take a load on. But you know, a yoke, interestingly, it's like this implement that connects two animals together, like two horses or two oxen. Or I think it would be cute if you had like a rabbit yoke and two rabbits would be pulling together. Maybe it's just me. Two beasts. And what Jesus' invitation to you and I is, hey, come take my yoke on your back. And if you align with my purpose, then you get my power. I'll actually pull the weight for you. So he's not saying, I need you to come do work for me. He's like, let me work for you. Let me do some work for you. Let me pull some weight for you. I just read it so wrong. Do you ever feel like that? Like you open the Bible and you just read it wrong? Like you're like, man, God seems like a really angry guy. If God seems like an angry guy, you're just reading it wrong. His invitation is not that he needs us to do more work. He's saying, let me do your work for you. But the only way that you get my power, you got to align with my purposes because I'm going this way. There's a, a spot for you. I've saved a place for you. That's why he can say my yoke is easy. My burden's light. Why? Because he's pulling all the weight. And not only that, that while he's pulling our weight, he says, and you can learn from me. Like, Like my knowledge is not something that I hold close to the chest. I actually will share with you what you need. And so he says, this gift I'm giving you called rest is actually something that you find. You see, I think that's important for us to understand that rest is a gift from God but it's discovered in relationship with God. It's discovered in proximity with God. The thing that he gave us for free, we get by being with him. And so he says, take my yoke on your back, learn from me. I'm gentle. I'm humble. You know what's amazing is that Jesus has been through what you've been through. He's a different time, totally different pressures. But the Bible says this, that, that we have a high priest this being Jesus who has walked through the same temptations we have, but done it sinlessly. Jesus knows what it is to be rejected. Jesus knows what it is to be abandoned. Jesus knows what it is to be gossiped about. Jesus knows what it is to have racist pressures in his time. Jesus knows what it is to to have poverty and, and social dynamics that left him out of some groups and out of others. Jesus knows what it is to be around haters. Jesus knows what it is to be afraid. Jesus knows what it is to be alone. Jesus knows what it is to be tempted. And the Bible says, you'll never be tempted beyond what you can bear. And even when you feel you are, God will give you a way to stand up under it. Like he's kind. And he's saying this, come with me on this journey. Let me pull your weight for you. And I'll actually teach you on the way. When I was about eight years old, seven or eight years old, my dad started a business. And and, uh, I learned a lot of what I know from business by just being with him. I remember once he took me to bid a job. We were, like, bidding this contract, and so we went together, and, 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 and I, like, I'm taking notes. I don't know what I was taking notes for, kind of like some of us in church, right? We're like, they said take notes, so I'm taking notes. And and then he's like, so what do you think? What do you think it's worth? I was like, ooh, man, maybe $3 or maybe 20 You know, like, when you're a kid, you don't know. Numbers, right? It's just money. Wow. And I remember I learned how to see value. I learned how to assess time. I learned that time is money and all those dynamics just simply from being with him. In the same manner, God is saying this, allow me to pull the weight for you. You don't get that by doing it on your own. You don't get that by just trying to suffer through it alone as if that makes you tough. Come, let me pull your weight. And on the journey, I'm going to teach you some things. Oh, grief? I've walked through grief. Here's how you can navigate that. Uh Oh, like, like unfair burden being put on you by others? Been there. Absolutely. I can help you walk through that. Oh, ridicule. He spat in my face. They pulled my beard. I can teach you how to do this. When you've been treated unfairly, here's how you how you handle it. And he'll actually teach us and then he goes and in the end you're going to find you're going to find some rest. And here's what what I want to define rest as for us today, okay? Maybe you say I'm not a note taker at all. But today, if you have the ability to, I want you to write down just a couple of words, okay? A few words. If you don't have paper with you or the ability to write down on something, you're going to have to be real real like mentally visual with me, okay? I want you to write on one side of your page the word rushing. Rushing. R-U-S-H-I-N-G. Rushing. I I think that, that being weary, it feels like rushing, doesn't it? I have four things to do and only time to accomplish three of them. I'm rushing. I'm always a step behind. For some of us, we feel like that's been the case for years. You're like, I'm a season behind. I, I'm one lesson behind in life. I, I'm one, you know, one season away from where I should have been. Others who are like me are further along and I'm just always behind. You're weary and you're burdened because you're rushing and now you're rushing because you're weary and you're burdened. Does this resonate with somebody? Like like you say, I, I have... More debt than I have money, and I'm rushing around trying to figure out how I can solve this more debt with less money. I've got more talent than I have opportunity, and I'm rushing around trying to find a place to put my talent into an opportunity that fits. And you're weary, and you're running after something. You've been there before? Rushing. And so we feel like I know how to find rest. Just do less. Like, like has that ever been your plan? I'll just do less. It's easy. It's easy. Just stop doing stuff. That's like the worst advice, right? Someone comes, oh, you feel tired? Just do less. Like, yeah, it's not that simple. I used to, it's crazy. This is just really ugly of me, but I used to, when people would say they were tired or busy, I would actually feel like throwing down, like, oh, yeah, you want to compare? Oh, you think you're busy? How many kids you got? Oh, you think you're busy? How much overtime did you do last week? Right? Oh man, you think you're busy? L- like, look at look at the dynamic in my life. And then we compete weirdly. You're like, oh, you went to bed at one. I didn't go to bed till two. I binge watched an ex- extra two episodes, right? And like we compare how tired we are, and we get proud somehow of how tired we are. And we're like, man, you think you're exhausted? Man, I got insomnia. Try beating that, right? That's weird. And then I realize this: if you truly are too busy, then you're just too busy. Like, there's people sometimes like, I'm just too busy for relationships. Then you're too busy. Like, for real, you got to eliminate something from your life if you're too busy for relationships with people. People, ah, man, I'm just so busy. Like, if I had more time, I could spend some time, you know, growing in my relationship with God, but I'm just too busy. Yep. If you think you don't have time for God, you're too busy. You got to move some things. But simply doing less is not the answer. To rest. Jesus could have said, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. You just sit there. I got this. And it's true. He's got this, but rest comes in proximity. Rest comes in being near Jesus. Rest comes when he starts pulling the weight for you, not just taking it off and saying you don't have any, any work to do. Well, you got some work to do. Jesus is just going to give you the power to do it. That's where rest comes from. So on one side of the page, you've got that word rushing. Okay. On the other side of the page, if you could, again, if you don't have a page, you'll have to visually go there with me. I want you to put the word rusting, R-U-S-T-I-N-G, rusting, rusting, like a lack of use in a certain part of your life actually makes you feel lethargic, doesn't it? It actually makes you feel kind of weary, doesn't it? You're, you're stuck in one position for too long. Like you're in an airplane and you can't move your legs and then you get out and you say, oh, my legs are so restless. That's not what rest is. Just doing nothing, that doesn't actually lead to rest. It leads to rust. It's like a sports term, right? Like someone coming off injury, like, oh, they just got to shake the rust off. They haven't been using this skill for very long. they got to shake the rust off. Somebody coming off a, a long kind of break, they go, oh, man, just got to shake the rust off. It's what happens every year in school. That's why the first day of every math class you'll ever take is like, this is adding. Now let's do subtracting. And, and it, it's like you have to do it less at first, but it's reminding you so you can shake the rust off. People say, oh, it's it's easy. You'll never forget. It's like riding a bike. But those first few rotations of the pedals, while you orient yourself to balance, you're shaking the rust off. In between rushing and rusting is where you, you find rest. So again, if you're taking notes, just put that word resting right in the middle. You got rushing. That's not what rest feels like. It's not just running after the next thing and always feeling behind. There's some people you can never settle in any sort of occupation because you're running after the next job before you even go to the day one of this one. Like You got you, you never find your groove. You never find your, your rhythm in any sense of the, the term because you're just going for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. You're rushing. And there's some of us who just we've thought inactivity equals rest we've tricked ourselves and so we continually pull more and more off our plate till we're not doing anything and somehow we still feel tired right like so many people do this in church i've been doing this church thing my whole life i've been been like leading in church for nearly two decades and i've heard this more times than i can possibly count really tired right now i just need to pull back i need to i need to just pull back the truth is, if you're really tired, is that actually, you actually probably need to press in. doesn't mean you need to do more, but you need to press into to relationship because it's always easier just to pull back. You need to press into some community. It's always easier just to, to pull back and think, if I just emptied my calendar, I would feel more rejuvenated. And and let me say, without as much attitude as it sounds, how's that working out for you? I've been there before. Like, how's that working out for you? Eliminating stuff from your calendar and still feeling like when your alarm clock goes off in the morning, you've got to be kidding me. See, rest, it's in between rushing and rusting. I was looking at this in a, in a sporting context. I love I love basketball. I love the NBA. Anyone else love the NBA? Oh, you're like, no, I loved it two weeks ago, but then Kawhi left. He took his ball. He's going to play somewhere else. So there's like five of us who still like basketball. I was looking at it and they've done like statistical work on this that if you don't have enough rest, catch this, you perform poorly. Who would have thought, right? It's true in any sport, true in any activity. Also what they found is that you have, if you have too much rest, you perform almost as poorly as if you have not enough. Isn't that crazy? Too many days off in a row without doing the thing you're doing, you actually perform in a way that is similar to the person who is rushing around. Have you found that true in your life? Like too much time away from activity and you feel like, man, I just f- it feels foreign. I feel like I, I, I can't do it correctly or can't do it right. And they also found this, that, that whether it was from rushing or rusting, if you're not sharp, uh, you can still perform almost the same offensively. But defensively, you, you're much poorer. And the interesting thing that I think about that is that, like, performance-wise, we can still execute good output when we're not at our best, can't we? We can roll up our sleeves and just make it happen. Have you been there? You're pulling from a reserve, like you're pulling into maybe a negative space of that internal bank account that is your energy resource, but you can still get stuff done. You can still make stuff happen. But what happens along the way is you take more hits because you're not as careful on the defense. Just, just follow with me on this. Like in your relationship, you're like, oh, we're, we're just not at our best, but we're going to get some stuff done. We're going to prioritize time. We're still going to communicate, but, but you're taking hits along the way because you're not at rest. You with me? You follow like, like in your relationship with God, like we can still make church happen. We can still, we can still make this project come together. We can still pull this thing. But if you're not doing it out of a place of rest, there's like different mindsets coming along the way different things that are robbing you of joy in the journey. You following with me? You got to go to work, perform, be at your best, lead in a way that's that, that's compassionate towards people. And somehow, man, you're giving your best at work because when you're tired, you can still give your best at work. You get home and the people you live with get the worst of you. Why? Because you're just not, you're not at your best on the defensive side. So these things are coming in and bombarding you. And so I think the goal for you and I is we got to find some some rest. we got to find in between the two. Now, somebody you're here like, hold on. I thought this was a Psalms series. Like, this was not what I came to church for today, Matthew. Okay, we're going to Psalms now, all right? Psalm 62, go there. And I want to I show you a couple things that have been helpful to me and I think uh, that are helpful to David here as he writes this Psalm that, that are going to help you find some rest. Uh, a few little helpful tips to finding Rest, rest, which is in between rushing and rusting, right? Can everyone say rushing? Can everyone say resting? Can everyone say rusting? It's like a tongue twister. Rushing, resting, rusting. Try saying it three times fast. You only tried it once. Try it three times. It's kind of hard, isn't it? Okay, let's try it this way. Ready? Everyone say rushing. Resting. Resting. This is going to be the worst podcast we've ever post. Check it out. Here we go. Ready? Gotcha. Okay, you're awake. You're with me. Here we go. Psalm chapter 62. This is a psalm about finding rest. This is a psalm that, that sounds pretty similar to Jesus' invitation, where he says, I'm compassionate, I'm generous but I'm also accessible and inclusive. Come to me. Let me pull the weight for you, and you're going to learn some things along the way. Here we find King David talking about rest, talking about finding rest. I'm going to read this whole psalm to you. Psalm 62 says this, Truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress, and I will never be shaken. How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence Surely they intend to topple me from this lofty place. They take delight in lies with your mouths or with their mouths, they bless, but in their hearts they curse. you 've ever been around those people, blessing with their mouths, cursing with their hearts? Ouch. Yes, my soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock and my refuge. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour all your hearts to Him, for God is our refuge. Surely the lowborn are but a breath. The highborn are but a lie. If you weighed them out on a balance, they'd be nothing. Together, they're only a breath. Do not trust in in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Now look at this last section. One thing God has spoken Two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love. And you reward everyone according to what they've done. In this short little poem, I think there's four things that that I note that have helped me in my quest to find rest. Oh, what a good rhyme that was. These things have helped me, and I think they'll help you as well. Okay, first thing that helps you find rest, first thing is ownership. First thing, you could say application or ownership. Over and over and over, once you start listening for it, you hear David use the word "my" that God is not just a rock, he's my rock. God is not just salvation in general; he's my salvation. God is not just an ethereal force of hope out there he's my hope. He is my victory. He is my honor, my blessing. Check it out. He says it over and over here he goes truly. Uh, My soul finds rest in God. He's my salvation, my rock, my salvation, my fortress. My soul finds rest. My hope comes from him. My rock, my salvation, my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation, my honor depends on God. He is my mighty rock. He is my refuge. I want to encourage you that once you start to own something, it helps you find, find some rest. Like you start to make what is true in the Bible, not just true, but true for you. Like, you, you fit it to yourself. You say, this is actually true for me. Like, like, how is it when you're away from home, you're like, oh, I'm so excited to get home because I get to sleep in my bed. Been there before? Why? It just, it, I guess it feels comfortable. Isn't it crazy that everyone else's house smells just a little funny? Except for yours, right? Except for everyone's car is just a little bit of, unless they have like tripled up those air fresheners on the rear view mirror, their car just smells sort of funky. But yours, it smells amazing. Why? Because it's yours. It belongs to you. You feel at home. And here God is, like, like the, the, the truth of this, is if you want to find rest, don't look at Jesus from a great distance through a telescope and say, wow, he seems strong. Make him your strength. Don't, don't see the power of God, as that's kind of cool, I guess, that God has, has like, some, some showy muscles. No, his power is on your behalf. You can own that power. He's your rock, your fortress, your salvation, your deliverer, ownership, applying something to your life. It's not just a concept you learn, but once you start to experience it, it becomes real to you. That make sense? You, like you've seen a picture of a place, but then when you've actually been in the place and you've heard the sounds and you smelt the smell and you felt the the temperature, and you, you felt the humidity once you've been to a place, man, it becomes more real. So you need to experience the power of God in your life. Own it. Number two, the second thing, first thing I see there is ownership. It helps me find rest. The second thing that I see is is focus. Focus. You see, rest comes when you focus. Rest comes when you stop allowing there to be uh, uh, a myriad of of influences and a myriad of distractions in your life when you just kind of be still. It's interesting in the in the Hebrew language. It's clear. It's not super clear in English, but I'm going to try to highlight it for you. There's some words that get repeated over and over, and they have got this like little Hebrew conjunction connected to them. It's just the letter ak, like ah and and it's essentially it would be like um like italicizing a word or underlining it, or making it bold. Okay, it's like I want you to draw some attention to this. And the word in, in the translation I'm reading here, uh, it gets translated over and over as truly. Uh, I think in the in the King James Version, it uses the word only. Some translations use the word surely, not like the name, but to be sure of something. And then some some use the, the word alone. Here's what it's saying. It's putting italicies a a around this thing, saying God is my word only hope. He is my only rock. He is my only solution. Like over and over, it's in verse one, verse two, verse four, verse five, verse six, and verse nine. This little conjunct repetition over and over and over again, italicized, saying God isn't just one of the things I'm trying out here. He's it. I don't have a plan B. I'm not like, you know, putting together some sort of a, a stew, you know, throw a little God in there, a little bit of karma, get some Oprah going up in there, you know, get some nebulizers with the right sense, you know, whatever we can do. Just got to kind of feel that hopefully this concoction of forces, you know, that with a, with a little bit of, you know, some of the people I enjoy being around and none of the people I don't enjoy being around. I'm just going to try to create for myself some rest. It's like, no, no, no. God is my only hope. He's not just one of the flavors I'm after. Like, God's it. I don't have a plan B. I don't got a fallback plan. And here David over and over and over again is just getting more and more and more and more focused. And even in the course of this, this, this poem, which is funny because he's writing it, right? And, and he's writing, you know, God, he's truly the only place my soul finds rest. It's truly my salvation, truly my rock. And and then w- within a couple sentences, he's like, oh, and then what is up with those people? They're trying to push me down like a tottering fence. I'm like, David, what is a tottering fence? You just got distracted. Like, you just totally lost your train of thought there. And so he's continually having to, to focus in. Anybody really good at focusing? Like, anyone real good at it? Okay. Speaks maybe to our our generation. Either that or the focused people were thinking about something else. Like, I did not hear that guy with a microphone right now. I don't know what he's talking about. I'm focused. I'm focused right now. Like, we need, to, we need to get better at focusing. You say you want rest, but what are you, like, what focus are you putting towards finding it? You're getting beaten around and tossed about by pressures and people and projects and all these things. Like, what are you doing to prioritize rest? Focus. some focus. And so he's just saying over and over and over again, God's my only hope. I'm not going to mix, you know, the truths of scripture with some other things and see what comes out the other side. I'm just going to, I'm going to put my whole trust on what God says to be true. I'm going to live like it. I'm going to act like it. I'm going to draw near to God. I'm going to let him carry my, my weight. I'm going to learn from him. Number three, third thing is repetition repetition helps you find rest repetition will serve you in your uh, in your quest for rest Repeti- uh, repetition helps um that's why we worship it's one of the reasons I think why we sing songs and someone's like oh I've sung this song before I know this one can you do another one <laughs> for some it's like karaoke you're like oh this is my this is my jam right here I know this one. It's in my range. I like this one, and you, maybe it's your first time in church. You're like that's crazy. We did karaoke all together. Well, what what I got to do to get a mic in my hand? I want. I want. That's my song. You know, the little words come up on the screen. It's unbelievable. But one of the reasons we worship is that it it, it helps us to rec- remember and recall truth. Like to get something stuck in your head until it digs down deep inside and starts to make sense to you. David actually uses repetition, not only in that intensifier word here, but he actually repeats a whole phrase. Did you catch it? Check out verse 1. He says this, Truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. Truly, He's my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I will never be shaken. And then he gets distracted, and he comes back in verse 5 to say this, Yes, my soul find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock. He is my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. Did you catch it? It's the same thing. Almost. Same thing, almost. At first, he's saying, like, here's the concept that is true. My soul has found rest in God. Until his soul stops being at rest, then he actually says, hey, soul, find rest in God. Did you catch it? At first, he goes, truly, my soul found it. Verse 5, he says, yes, My soul, find rest in God. He begins to repeat to himself what he already knows to be true. He gets uh, a truth that is true up here in his head to actually drill down deep into his soul, where, where it actually brings some power. You can know a whole lot of stuff in your head that never brings any sort of power unless you get it applied to your life. Are you with me? So he actually takes what is in his head. Yeah, truly, of course. Of course my soul has found rest. Until his soul is not at rest anymore. And then he says, Hey, soul, you got to find rest again. Comes to the same result. Here's what happens through repetition, okay? Repetition actually brings intensification. Because, again, man, the English language is a little limited here. And uh, maybe just for, for artistry reasons, they, they translate it this way, and I will not be shaken. Did you catch that? But in verse 2 where it says, and I will not be shaken, there's another word that was, that's in there in the Hebrew language, r a v rav, and it means greatly. I won't be greatly shaken, okay? He's like, hey, truly, I know it up here. God's with me. He's my salvation. He's my fortress. He's my, my rock. I won't be greatly shaken. I'm going to face some stuff. Yeah, like I, I'll, I'll be tossed around a bit, but I won't be greatly shaken. Then he starts to get distracted a bit. When he comes back and repeats the same thing, he's like, oh, hey, soul." find rest in God. He is my rock. He is my hope. He's my salvation. He goes, I will not be shaken. And the second time that word greatly is removed. It's just not there. You look in the Hebrew text, it's not there. So he goes from saying, if I know it up in my head, like the concepts I know, like, okay, yeah, God is faithful. Okay. I won't be greatly shaken. But when I really get it down in my soul, it starts to edify me on the inside. I'm not going to be shaken at all. Like, like, not just greatly shaken. I'm going to stand strong. I am going to stand here, come what may. You see, if we only know in our head, and it never gets down into our soul, there's things like, yeah, Jesus loves me. This I know. Or the Bible tells me so. But when you get to that, like, yes, Jesus loves me. Jesus loved me. I don't have to question it. I don't have to doubt it. I don't have to worry if my behavior doesn't warrant it. He loves me because of who he is, not because what I've done. I will not be shaken at all. Don't worry about the things that greatly shake me. I'm going to stand strong. I'm going to stand true. I'm going to be a pillar in the house of God. I'm not going anywhere. You see, repetition actually brings resolve. And for some of us, as soon as we start getting shaken, our resolve gets shaken. As soon as we start getting shaken, this is not talking about like forces in life. This is not talking about like, oh, man, my bills are piling up. I'm being greatly shaken. It's talking about when those bills pile up, well, what's your attitude towards God start to feel like? If you're getting tossed about because, oh, man, I was doing good because we were dating. Now we're sing- oh, no, I'm single again, and you're getting tossed about. You need to get some, some resolve on the inside of you because God alone is your hope. God alone is your rock. God alone is your refuge. He alone is your defense. He's where all your honor comes from. He's where all your blessing comes from. It's through repetition, through standing continually on what is true that you actually see an intensification where it affects your soul. Can I give you one more? One more before we worship in response today. One more. It is uh, comprehension. Comprehension actually helps you find rest. Like to actually comprehend something, to grapple with it and to understand it and to make it true. It would be hard if I were right now to just like rattle off a whole bunch of numbers to you and then ask you, so what were those numbers? But you know what our mind does? We start grouping them together. Like if I said, remember the numbers zero, four, and six, you'd be like, okay. But if I said, remember 604, you're like, oh, area code. And it just becomes one piece of information in your head because you comprehend it. You have like a form to put it in. You, you with me? You following? Right, like if I, if I were to give you seven digits, your mind would automatically put them in a phone number because that's how we know phone numbers to be written, right? Three digits, four digits. It helps you remember some things. You begin to comprehend them. But if I just rattled things off, it would be hard. Sometimes in Scripture, you feel like I'm just rattling things off like it was my chapter to read today. So I just kind of read words and there they are, words. But once you begin to comprehend, it helps you to find rest. It helps you to see what's really true. I love this, that that David ends. You know what's crazy? This whole chapter, it seems that he's in trouble. Would you agree? There's someone who's trying to topple him like a fence. I don't even know how you topple fences, but someone's out to get him. At least he thinks there is. The truth is like the thing that's stressing you out right now might make no sense to anyone else. And someone else is like, I don't know, that doesn't sound that bad, but to you it's really real. And, and, And so no one else can come and say, just chill. Isn't that the worst advice? Hey, just chill. Just chill. Has that ever worked for anyone? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it's ever worked, right? Like like you, you hear couples and they're talking and they say, okay, okay, you're getting emotional. Has that ever worked for you to actually like stop the direction it was going by saying that? I don't think it's ever going to work. Right? So he, here, here we are, David, like he's in a rough time. But at no point in this whole psalm does he complain. At no point in this whole psalm is he... And he does in other places. I just think it's kind of unique in this particular one that his focus just kind of, he, he goes, he gets distracted, but then he, his eyes are right back on God. His distraction doesn't cause him to put his eyes on himself. Like, oh, why is it so hard? His distract he's like, oh, wait, no, soul, God alone, he alone. He keeps bringing his focus back to God. And then in the end, he says this thing, which I, I think is pretty cool. He's like, God said one thing, I heard two. I think that's pretty cool. God spoke one thing. And I heard two things. You're like, man, that sounds like confusion. No, no, here, here's what he's saying. God spoke one thing and I caught what he was saying and what he meant by it. You know that? Like when you know someone well, they can say one thing and you can catch what they're saying and what they mean by it. And, and, and someone else only caught what they said because they don't know them that well. Like, like, like my wife can say one thing and I know, I know layer upon layer of what she means by it. And no one else does because I know her. You, you follow in that? The people that you know well, they can say one thing and you catch the context. You catch the the, the nuance that was connected to it because you know them well. David's saying this, man, I have kept my focus on God. And he says one thing and I'm catching not only what he's saying, but what he means by it. He's saying this from beginning of Scripture through to the end. From the, the moment he said, let there be light, God has proven that he has power and love, which is good news, by the way. If God had only power and no love, that would be terrifying. If God had only love and no power, that'd be pathetic, right? Guys, oh, earth looks the worst. Glad I'm in heaven, but I love you. I love you. Like, thanks a lot, God. (laughs) Or imagine God, all his power, just doesn't care for us, just doesn't notice. He's like stomping on people, you know? People are just crushing. What's that? Oh, yeah, God just stubbed his toe again. All power, no love. Be crazy. But but David's saying this, I catch you. I hear you from the very beginning. You've been communicating love and power. I like, that's what you've been saying from Genesis to Exodus to Leviticus to Numbers all the way through then you've been speaking this message that you are willing and able that you are for me, not against me, that you've got power and love, that your love actually is empowered in my life and your power is filled with your love. And on behalf of the way you love me, you're working powerfully in my life. I've heard you saying this, but I also caught what you meant by it Here's I, I like, God's saying one thing, but I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing too. Do you hear what the second thing is here? This is amazing. He goes, then the second thing, God rewards everyone according to what they've done. Like, God's a rewarder. And you hear the have done part, maybe like, oh, great. God's keeping track. No, oh, here's the good news the Bible says this that if you come to Jesus, you become the righteousness of, of God. And yeah, God's keeping track. What David is saying is like, why would I ever look to wealth to make me feel rested? Why would I look to like a reorganization of the org chart at work to make me feel rested? Why would I look to to politics to make me feel more rested? I mean, if if politics brought freedom, Jesus would have begged with Pilate to reconsider his, his stance or position instead of just standing true knowing that it's God who would deliver him. Like if this is true, if God's the one who rewards, then why would we look to the affirmation of a person? Like, man, no one said I look good today. My life's just, just struggling. No one, no one's come alongside and say, "Attaboy, you're really crushing it." Now I feel like I, I, I don't matter anymore. Why would you look at any of those things? Because it's actually God who rewards. You look at people. oh, man, they got a better family than me. That's probably why they're encouraged. No, God's the one who rewards. Ah, oh, they've had, they've had way better opportunity, more more doors open for them. That's why they're joyful, happy. No, no, God's the one who rewards all your blessing, all your honor comes from God. He's like, I, I'm hearing this. Like God's saying, I love you and I'm powerful. I'm strong and I'm able. I'm for you. I'm not against you. I'm with you. I'm behind you. I'm I'm above you. I'm beneath you. I got you. But here's what I'm hearing in that, that God who is loving and powerful is also the only place I get my reward from. What reward do I need? Rest. What do I I get from God? Rest. How do I find it? By drawing near to Him. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church. Or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.